Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'na wa anfa'na bi ma'allamtana wa zidna ilman wa amala. Allahumma nawar qulubna bi ilmik wa istamil abdanana rita'atik wa wafiqna lima tuhibbu wa tarda. من القول والعمل والفعل والنية والهداء إنك على كل شيء قدير يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار قال الله سبحانه وتعالى لم ترى أن الله أنزل من السماء ماء فتصبح الأرض مخضرة إن الله لطيف خبير صدق الله العظيم beloved elders and brothers dear mothers and sisters listeners and students السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most gracious, most merciful, who's opened up the door for us to uh, come to his house, to be invited to his house, to attend a gathering on the uh, dhikr and ilm and studying the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good for someone, he opens up for him the doors of seeking knowledge. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends to be kind for someone, Allah azza wa jal opens up the doors of delving deep into the deen. This is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being pleased with us. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like us, does not want us to be close to Him, He would never allow us, He would never invite us to His masjid. And He would never allow us to sit in a gathering of ilm and dhikr. He would never allow us to pick up the mushaf and read and try our best to understand its meanings and attend gatherings like this where we hope to understand some of the meanings of the Qur'an. This means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has some special attachment to us. And we should repay back Allah azza wa jal by showing our deepest appreciation. When Allah azza wa jal has done ihsan towards us, the way we show our ihsan back to Allah azza wa jal is by being grateful for the fact that we, are, we have been... Uh, granted this opportunity here now we try our level best for it to practice on whatever we hear to share whatever we hear and to have a firm resolve of remaining steadfast Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلِهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا Allah says regarding the believers and the people for whom Jannah has already been prepared from amongst the qualities as mentioned in the first page of Surah Al-Anfal in the ninth juz of the Quran the last quarter Allah Azza wa Jal says those people when Allah's name is taken their hearts begin to tremble whenever Allah's name is taken their heart trembles and whenever Allah Azza wa Jal's verses are recited in front of them it increases them in their faith increases them in their iman and they have absolute reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Notice here, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions dhikr, that through dhikr the hearts tremble. Meaning, through dhikr you will find uh, a change within yourself. Physical change at times. Physical change. You feel um, something happening to your heart. You feel that's why when many people who have no connection with the masjid or have been drifted off for a long time, when they come back to the masjid, they just listen to one Maghrib Salah, one Aisha Salah, they begin to cry. They're, you know, they're trembling. And you're next to the guy, like, what's going on with him? MashaAllah. You know why? Because he hasn't been in this gathering for such a long time. 
coming back to a gathering where he simply just is able to listen to the Quran or put his head down in sajda or listen to a dhikr that's happening after the salah it, it makes the heart tremble it has real powerful effects even on the exterior and then when the verses of the Quran are recited what does that do to him? his faith begins to increase so you see dhikr has been tied with an external change, physiological change, if I can call it that, where you're, uh, you know, you feel your blood, you know, gushing forth. You feel your heart beating faster through the barakah of dhikr. People start sweating, right? When the name of Allah is is heavy. And that's why, it's a separate point, but the dhikr of Allah if a person does more than he can handle, then it has adverse effects. When a person, for example, pours more water than the bowl can handle, what happens? The water pours out. Sometimes a person is not prepared to do that level of remembrance of Allah. And he sits down and he starts doing, uh, you know, let's say 50,000 la ilaha illallah. Something as heavy as la ilaha illallah and he puts it focused, not just clicking away, but focused if he does that, out of the blue, it can actually have an adverse effect of it, right? Because you're not ready for it. And, but if you want the faith, the iman to increase, what, what do you need for there? Listening to the Qur'an. So when we come to this dars, along with it, with it being a dars of dhikr, this is obviously a dars of Qur'an, and hence, we should expect our iman to increase by the end of each lesson. And our goal should be, inshallah, that next week when I come, I, have, I start off with a higher level of iman than where I had left off last week. So let's, um, inshallah, continue from ayah number 63. Allah says, Alam tara, have you not seen, O Prophet that it is Allah alone who sends forth from the sky? He sends forth from the sky water. Then what happens? That fa, fa is telling you then, gives you the meaning of then. The earth becomes green. Meaning, behold, watch, look how that same earth that was completely dead has become green. Indeed, Allah is very subtle and all aware. When Allah says, Alam tara, have you not seen? This is, if it's something that you can actually see, then you're going to say this is obviously looking with the eyes of, you know, the physical eyes. And if there are certain things that you cannot see, for example, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ashab al-feel. Have you seen what Allah Azza did with the nation of Ad? Have you seen what Allah Azza did with the armies of Abraha and the army of elephants? Well, obviously the Prophet wasn't there alive at that moment in, to see what happened with Ad and Thabud and so forth. It means, are you not going to ponder and reflect over those incidents? Are you not going to look at the leftover uh, ruins of those cities and reflect on that story? And for us, all of this is reflection. All right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to even look at Many of, we're all watching the rain. We noticed the rain that happened maybe a few days ago and, ha- and ha- happened the rest of the summer. We look at that. We're seeing it. But so what? 
if, we, if a person sees that and it doesn't reflect on it, it won't affect him. It won't make, make him a better person. Every single rainfall, every single weather pattern, every single change of the season, every single change of weather is supposed to be an iman boosting incident. That's what's supposed to happen. That is why when you hear the thunder, you have dua. When you see lightning, you have dua. When you have rain, you have dua. When you don't have rain, you have dua. When it gets too hot, you have dua. When it gets too cold, you have dua. The books of Ad'iya have specific duas for each of these weather patterns. Because each weather brings with it a qudra and a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now, the era that we're living in, especially in the past two years and three years, all of us have very noticeably witnessed the massive change in weather. You, you, you cannot escape it. Ask anyone here or anywhere else in the world what type of weather changes they're seeing. From, uh, you know, historic, historically high uh, heat across the nation, no, across the world, you have ocean temperatures hitting 95 degrees right in this country. You have uh, almost 25 days consecutively in certain parts of the country where it's not dipped below 110, 118, 120, unheard of. Uh, and the amount of deaths that are happening, the wildfires are happening, the earthquakes are happening, uh, volcanoes are erupting, subhanAllah, uh, volcanoes within the ocean, volcanoes on land, and the list goes on. Wildfires that I've never seen before. All of these things, melting of the, of the uh, glaciers, uh, the rising in the sea level, it's really ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر. Chaos has wa- become widespread on the earth as well as uh, on the oceans. بِمَا كَسَبَتْ nas Due to the actions of the people. Allahu Akbar. Allah Azza wa just, just clearly in one verse is just telling us, what's this all about? This whole global warming, where did it come from? Right? What, what have we done to this earth as, as humans and the capitalistic mindset? How it's trashed the world, subhanAllah. We're so particular on keeping our backyard clean and, and the roads clean, which is good. But, at the, but beyond that, the whole world, which is our collective backyard, and our collective front yard, and the oceans and the rivers, the amount of pollution, because directly connected to what? Materialism. Continuously having to purchase more. Continuously having desire for all these needs, not needs, just desires. It leads to so much overusage of the resources of the world, and leads to so much pollution. Because why after one year you have to throw away your phone? Just think about it, something as simple as that. Every new model makes you want to give up your previous model. Where do these models, old models go? You have a hundred people sitting here, a hundred phones. Just imagine how much space that takes. Now if every single year you're changing that, and then your wife and your kids and your siblings, just imagine from one house within one year. We're not talking about laptops, we're not talking about other gadgets. We're just talking about that simple cell phone that we all carry. Imagine how many from the time, that from 2005 till now, how many cell phones we have taken out. Right? Where is this all going? We're not thinking about the huge pollution that we as a human race are continuously non-stop doing in this world. This is what Quran says, Bima kasabat nas. There's chaos on earth, in the heavens and the earth. There's on the oceans, as seas, as well as on the earth, due to the actions of the people. This is directly as a result of our actions. Just today I, I saw a title of an article that said, this, I mean it's obvious, but now they have to say this, that this type of rise in the world temperatures could not have been possible without the human uh, element 
We know that, but now, okay, they decided to publish a paper on it. So fine, that's why I'm sharing this with you, right? That this is a human, massive uh, human element in causing this pollution. So what we're saying is that intensity of cold, intensity of heat, all of these are reflection, they are all moments of reflection. Like we get super cold. Allah min an zamhariri jahannam. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the freezing cold of Jahannam. Zamharir is a, is a type, is a portion of Jahannam in which the punishment is through extreme cold. So you think it's cold here? 50 degrees minus below zero, 25 degrees minus zero. Okay, well, guess what? There's a place that's going to be colder than that. May Allah protect us in the hellfire. Okay, and then it gets very hot. Allah minna na'udhu min sharihad al-yawm. Or min Allah I seek refuge in you from the, 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 the heat of this day. And let's reflect on the verse of the Quran. Allah says, the munafiqun, the hypocrites said to the believers, do not participate in the expedition of Tabuk. It's hot outside. Right? It's hot outside. It's far away, hundreds of kilometers. Are you crazy? Why would you go there? Stay back. The hypocrites wanted the Muslims to stay back. This is the sign of a hypocrite. The hypocrite doesn't practice deen and he gets irritated if you practice. A hypocrite, he doesn't practice deen and he cannot take someone else in the family practicing deen. So not only will he not practice the deen, he will stop anyone else who is as well. This is a sign of hypocrites. A sign of a simple sinful person is, I'm not able to practice the deen because I'm weak. Make dua for me, I'll change one day, but I'm happy for you. You keep it up. That, that's a weak, average, good, you know, weak Muslim. But a hypocrite says, no, I'm not going to practice deen and I'm not going to let you do it either. Because you know why? You make me feel guilty. No one's telling him anything. I've got my, I'm looking down doing my own thing. But he's got his own inferiority complex. He's thinking that this person practicing deen makes me feel bad. Hence, not only am I going to have music and dancing and mixing and, and the first dance taking place at my wedding or my daughter and son's wedding, but I'm going to make sure every one of you musallis also show up. All of you people who go to the masjid, whose children study in the madrasa, who are, mashallah, half of the Qur'an, you all must show up. You're going to see how many text messages I'll send you. Calls. Because you know why? It feels very awkward to just be amongst a group of people who don't care about the deen and while all my cousins, relatives, uncles and aunts are practicing deen I feel like a hypocrite so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make sure all of you show up too misery loves company I'm not gonna go to hell alone the kid who gets kicked out of class what does he do? the third grader, fourth grader he stands outside the window and he makes fun monkey faces at everyone inside hey Johnny, what are you looking outside? well I'm looking at Matt well you get out too that's exactly what Matt wants. Matt wants Johnny and the rest of the class to come outside. Because misery loves company. And then they're going to have a nice fun in the hallway. Because he got kicked out, he wants everyone else to get kicked out of the classroom as well. Same. If I'm not practicing the deen, why should you practice the deen? I'm not, I don't want to go to hell alone. I don't want to be able to stand in front of Allah alone in a state that Allah is angry with me. I'm going to say, we all did it. Our whole khanna and all our family, look at I'm not alone. All my relatives were with me in all these events. So you have, to be, you have to be smart. If you didn't get kicked out of class because of your initially not messing around, for Allah's sake, don't get kicked out because of the guy who's outside making jokes and looking at you. Similarly, if you, don't, if you follow the deen by having your events according to the deen, then what's the point of attending other people's events in which the deen is, is being chopped up, burgers are made out of the deen, mince meat, not mince meat, you're taking the deen and putting it in the blender. 
Subhanallah. Latest, every single day you hear a new latest fad and fashion within, the, within the, our community. Just, it was so interesting. Someone was just telling me about this whole first dance part. That how within the Muslim couples are having the first dance in front of the, the whole you know, community and all those who are attending and how horribly disgusting. This is the haya has gone, the, gone out the door. And I said, how interesting. Just yesterday I came across an article. It was, you know, just... Uh, suggested to me on, uh, on, one of the, on one of the news articles on how a person was, it was an op-ed someone was saying some non-Muslim says I haven't been to a marriage and a wedding in a long time and I went after a long time and I saw how the first dance took place and I felt that it was so if I ever if I ever do get married I would never want to do that because that's way too intimate to do in front of the public a non-Muslim is saying this a non-Muslim is saying that things have just gone so bad that in our society, that what's wrong with the people? I haven't gone to a wedding, thing. I didn't know things are this bad. Allahu Akbar, and then a Muslim brother tells me this is what's happening in our community. And what, what's the shocking part? The shocking part are the people who are present, who are in the, in the masjid, who pray front row Fajr Salah, mashallah, are right in front, participating. And what's the answer? Brother, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Subhanallah. Allah Azza wa says, the hypocrites told the mu'mineen, do not come out, we're not going to Tabuk and nor should you. Allah Azza wa why? Because it's hot. Allah Azza wa says, tell them, قُلْ نَارُ جَهَنَّمَ أَشَدُّ لَوْ كَانُوا Tell them, if this is hot, the fire of hell is far hotter than this. لَوْ كَانُوا If only they would think, if only they would reflect. This is the response that you're supposed to give. That subhanAllah, I'm not li- I don't live only for this day. We, this is a very short life, man. We have a long life ahead. We have to make sure we don't make such mistakes in this world that we'll have to pay the price later on. So the, the, the discussion that was happening here was the fact that weather patterns and changes always have been a sign of Allah's qudra and power. And that you're supposed to recite specific dua and, and sayings and supplications of the Prophet ﷺ at that time. Whenever Rasulullah would be overcome by fear, and many times by what? By a weather pattern, like a lunar eclipse, a solar eclipse, or a storm, he would run towards the masjid. But now, when we are seeing literally like the signs of the hour with our own very eyes, this is, if this is not the signs of the hour, what is? All of this massive. Uh, you know, changes in the weather. We have to reflect, my friends. We can't just say, whoa, it's hot. Give me some, some nice cold water or watermelon. No, okay, enjoy that. No problem. Use the umbrella, sit in AC, do everything. Don't go outside, obviously, but with this time to reflect. See, what's going on? Let's pick up, let's pick up Mishkatul Masabih and let's read through Kitabul Fitan. Let's read through this, this section on the trials and tribulations that will come before the Day of Judgment. Let's read through that. Let's find a YouTube lecture on by one of the uh, you know, reputable ulama on, on the signs of the hour. Let's listen as a family. Understand, connect the dots. What you're seeing, what you're feeling, what the world is seeing, how is that mentioned and prophesied by the Prophet ﷺ long ago? Where Rasulullah said, you will see rihan hamra. You will see red fires. Not fires, red wind. Meaning these fires will become so big, you can see them from space. You can see the smoke, what? It's, I just found out it's across the Atlantic, from Canada all the way to Europe now. Rihan hamra, red winds. Khasfan wa maskhan. You'll see, uh, uh, you know, people's, fa- you'll see uh, the earth being split 
mudslides happening, avalanche happening. All these natural disasters have been mentioned in hadith. And they, in most of these places, they have been mentioned right after what? Major sins. That when sins will become rampant, then Allah Azza wa Jal will let loose the natural powers. This is the manifestation of Allah's anger that you see here. All of these natural disasters is what? It's a manifestation of Allah's qudra and power and anger. So it is not the time to simply just say it's hot or it's cold, my friends, but it's a time to collectively and individually repent to Allah Azza wa Jal from our major and minor sins. This is what is, is then is going to be called Alam Tara. Did you not see? And you can say, Yes, Ya Allah, I saw it, I reflected, and I've repented. But if we're not repenting as a community, then we're not reflecting. If we're not repenting, we're not reflecting. If we're not reflecting, that means we're blind. And all of these Alam Taras, unfortunately, are falling on deaf ears. Let's go back again. Allah Azza wa says, Have you not seen, O Prophet Sallallahu that it's Allah alone who sends from the sky water? Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning this? Because the weather pattern, the water cycle is an amazing cycle. We, we are all created from that. We are all 100% dependent on that. Not just human beings, but every living thing. And the way this water goes through its entire cycle is something for us to reflect. Just think, water surface. How much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates surface for the water for it to? evaporate and then condense and go through its entire process. If you have uh, one bottle of water like this and you leave it open for one whole entire day, maybe a small teeny tiny amount will evaporate. But that same water, you spread it out on this table. By tomorrow, there'll be nothing left. Allah knows that we all need water. And we're all so many human beings across the globe, across all these continents. The water needs to constantly be enough for us. And Allah Azawajal, then that, so that is why I made these huge oceans. If these, if these bodies of water were very deep, but small, we would not have this process at the level that we require. The process of, uh, of evaporation and condensation has been made possible due to the vastness of the oceans. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you and I to reflect on this weather cycle, on this water cycle. And see how just a few days ago, I actually remember because I was traveling. When, before I left, there was you know, drought-like conditions here, right? There was, there was the whole... Remember I even mentioned that? Please, can someone water the grass of the masjid? Do you remember that? Right? I said, subhanAllah, everything is dry. Everything is dry. Came back, mashallah, everything is lush and green. Beautiful. So nice. Alhamdulillah. What happened? That's what the Quran is saying. Reflect. It wasn't just magic. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent that rain. Imagine what type of detailed process has happened for that rain to first of all come up into the clouds. And if you take any type of weather class, right, and, uh, in, in school, in college or in high school, it's, it's the different types of clouds, the different, the different types of you know, uh, weather patterns, how it works. SubhanAllah, the fact that this is a, Allah has made it a means of risk for people. You have people who focus on, uh, uh, you know, meteorologists, and you have what storm chasers. Do they make money? I guess they do, right? Why would they be doing that if they didn't? You have all these people who are Subhanallah, who are in jets going right into the eye of the storm, and it's a massive, ma massive industry, right? What is that industry supposed to be doing for us? It's supposed to be making you and I humble in front of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. What did we see? The power of the ocean. People went down, two hundred fifty thousand pounds apiece, right? 
and the whole submarine busted and we saw the sad incident that happened there. So no matter how powerful and how rich you are, you can never conquer these seas. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to unleash it, He will unleash it. And then you had an incident of a, of a man and his dog just survived what? How long? Two months at sea? Something like that. Just yesterday. Right? He came in the news. Two months at sea. Man and his dog. Poor man. Fisherman. Nothing. If Allah wants to keep you alive, you could be the pauper. You could be a fisherman with nothing but a dog next to you and, and some fish, right? And he keep you alive for two months at sea. And if you're a billionaire, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to take you out, He won't just take you out. He'll take you all the way down and take you out. That is the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sea is a force to be reckoned with. Not only that, the creator of the sea you got, is, is a force to be reckoned with. Right? It's, it's the most powerful force. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, Inna Allah latifun khabir? Right? Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is subtle and all aware. What's the connection? Because the process by which this water goes into the ground and how the seeds germinate, how the grass grows, the plants grow, fruits and vegetables come about. The way that water just goes, seeps in, not just into the ground, but into the plant, into the seed, into the roots, through all the various small thread-like hair, probably at, you know, at, a, at, at a thickness of a hair, the, the, the way that the, the water is seeping in, this is something extremely subtle that you would have to study under a microscope. Who is the one who is capable of doing that? The one who cannot be seen under a microscope. Latif. This is the connection. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so subtle that nothing is more hidden than Him. Nothing is more subtle than Him. Nothing is more invisible than Him. Hence, He is able to do the most invisible of things. He is able to do the most subtle of things. The, crea the creation of a child, formation of it. Again, very subtle. The way each, every single cell, one-celled organism to massive dinosaurs have, have, uh, you know, uh, have lived on this world and have died in this world. All of these things require unbelievable level of subtleties. And so, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most subtle. You know, when you have a... Uh, a, a, you, we sometimes think this, something that is small is uh, not powerful. Large, huge is something that's powerful. But it's not, that's not the case. Right? You, you'll see a, a, a virus or a very you know, a, 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 um, a dangerous type of virus or bacteria. What, they're not, they're not dinosaur-like. But what type of disease, what type of death can it cause? What, the plague is not coming in the form of a massive creature. Similarly, let's look at mosquitoes and flies or mosquitoes and things of that sort that cause men much harm. In order to keep them away from your house, you're not gonna, if you're building a house out in the jungle, for example, you want to keep away predatory animals, you're going to put bars around there. Or you're going to keep thieves out, you're going to put bars on the windows. But those bars are not sufficient to keep the insects out. You're going to have to put a mesh around it, very thin mesh, to be able to keep these mosquitoes and other harmful insects out. So you have to invest more and you have to make a stronger effort to keep the small enemy out. My point of sharing this is that being small and subtle, or rather being subtle and invisible is not a weakness, but rather it is a strength. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that He is the most subtle. And it's impossible for a person 
to put his fingers on Allah Azza wa Jal. And hence Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does the most subtle things. He says, Yusqa bima'in wahid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows different types of fruits to grow, different colors. Let's just look at, a, just, just look at melons, look at mangoes, whatever you're eating at home right now, cherries or apples. You'll see they don't taste the same. From one t- you go to the store, you buy from one pile, the strawberries don't taste the same. The, nothing tastes the same. Everything's got its unique taste. Two apples sitting next to each other. Two strawberries, two watermelons. Some are more sweet than the other. Some are absolutely bland. Some are super sweet. It seems like someone added sugar to it. Allah says, Yusqa bima'in wahid. They're coming from the same water. Nay, something that is green. A melon and a, and, a, and a watermelon. One's bright red, one's bright green. And they're both coming two feet or a foot apart from the same water. How is this possible? Allah Azza wa Jal says, "When We give preference to some over the other in the taste. Some you can eat, some you can't eat. Indeed, there are signs in here for those who ponder. I was reading about apples. Subhanallah, approximately up to 7,000 varieties in the world. Not all of them are eaten. But the fact that there's 7,000 different varieties... And more common in a smaller conservative number is 2,000. But still, 2,000 just apples. If this is not a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudra, then my friends, what is? The issue is, Allah says, how many signs? How many signs that do the people uh, pass by every single day? What a, you know, Allah is complaining. Allah is complaining about the human beings. Right? It's, you know, shikayat. This is, this is you lot. How many a signs there are in the heavens and the earth that they pass right by it while they are looking the other way? Majority of the people will not believe in Allah. Majority of the people will, will remain mushrik. I talked about that last week, wasn't it? Or with Fajr. On Saturday Fajr, we spoke about this, about majority. That majority, Allah Azza wa Jalla speak, is mentioning clearly in the Quran that they don't reflect and that they have no care about Allah Azza wa Jalla. So every single fruit and every single time you and I put our hands to and we eat, my brothers and sisters reflect. Ponder and think what Allah Azza wa has done. And every one of these moments can become a moment of you getting closer to Allah. Enjoy your food. But allow that to take you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Khabir, he's all aware. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how to make the dead earth green through the rain. Do you not think he can make our dead hearts alive through the Quran? Of course he can. How long did it take... Three weeks I said I was traveling, came back, everything's green, green. Why Allah Azza wa Jal cannot do that even in a less period of time to our hearts? A person needs to have this faith. Let, give me a, give, a, a, you know, as someone said, give Allah a chance. You've tried everything else. How about giving Allah Azza wa Jal a chance? People say, I, I, I'm, on, I'm so depressed. Many people, very depressed. I'm tired of my parents, tired of my spouse, tired of my children, tired of this and that. Taking medication, taking this doing everything. But have you tried Allah Azza wa Jal? No. And let me tell you one thing, brothers and sisters. 
The way to get close to Allah is not through nafil first. You must leave haram and do fard. Some people say, I prayed tahajjud that Allah didn't listen. But do you wear hijab? I don't wear hijab. Brother, sister, leave your tahajjud. You don't need to pray tahajjud. First, hijab is fard. If you leave your hijab and you pray tahajjud all night, I'm sorry, that's not going to work. It just doesn't work. You're, you, you, are, you have no right to sit there and change the menu. There are certain things if, you know, that are, are, are mandatory. It's like a person's eating hot sauce or tartar sauce and left out the whole meal. Tahajjud is, mashallah, beautiful, great. It's a sauce. What are you going to put the sauce on? You're going to put the sauce on, on a plate? Just eat, eat that? Fard, fard, leaving out haram and having a fard is your burger. That's your basic stuff. After that comes everything else. The absence of hijab, indulging in riba, indulging in zina, indulging in subhanallah, uh, uh, major other sins, intoxicants and so forth. And then a person says, uh, I alhamdulillah, I read my tahajjud. I don't miss it. There are people like that. That's why I'm mentioning this. And say, why is my depression not going away? Why are my problems not being solved? Because you have messed up your priorities. That's not how it's supposed to be. Come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala following His expectations. You want to go to a nutritionist? You want to go to a doctor? You want to go to an um, a, 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 uh, expert martial artist? Well, you have to follow the regimen that they give you. If a person says that I'm going to, to the extent he does all the exercises in the gym and then goes and goes to, gets a half a dozen donuts on the way home and eats it himself before he gets home. How is that going to help? It's not going to help. And then he says, look at I'm paying you $150 uh, a week and I'm still unfit. This is crazy. Right? What is he going to say? No, you're not speaking the truth. What do you do outside after this gym? Tell me that. Stop blaming my gym. Stop saying you're wasting your money. You're, you're foolish. That you're even paying when you don't want to change. There you go. Same thing with the deen. It's not about what we're doing. It's first of all, focus on what we are not doing. Did we get the haram out of our system? We have to start off with takhliya. Get, get our system cleansed from sin, from major sins. That is one of the major reasons for depression, is sin. Listen, only through the remembrance of Allah will the hearts get contentment. If a person chooses to anger Allah through major sins, how can he expect to have a nice, beautiful uh, sleep, enjoyable sleep, come home and see a beautiful scene of wife and kids? No. He's going to have problems with his mom and his dad, his wife or her husband, his kids. Everywhere, all he sees. Whoever turns his face away from my remembrance, indeed, he will have a very constricted life. We will raise him up on the day of judgment blind. He will say, My Lord, why did you raise me up blind? Even though I had perfect vision in the world. No, no, you, you had vision here, but you, had, you lost your vision of the heart. Our verses came to you, and you acted like you were dumb, deaf, and blind. You acted like they weren't there. You purposely forgot the reminders. Oh, I forgot. Purposely. And today you shall be forgotten in the hellfire. Scream all you want, yell all you want for help, no one's gonna come. May Allah protect us all. This is in Surah Taha. We mentioned, we covered this when we were covering that surah. So the, the idea is a person needs to de, get, get on with the program. The program, is, Allah is, is available 24-7. Allah is waiting. And Allah has an expectation. Just give up the major sins first. Do the fara'il. And then you'll start 
يعني impossible that you don't feel peace of mind at heart how many people mashallah i have uh, witnessed who are bleeding meaning they're they're losing every single day money their uh, issues with their uh, their you know their spouse or maybe in a divorce etc things are falling apart but if you look at them oh my god they are so they've got a smile on their face they're content say alhamdulillah whatever allah wills someone just died and then another relative just died 3 weeks later but they have discontentment on the face that is just unmatched you say what what are you doing how do you keep how are you able to control yourself and this this is the answer is they're not controlling themselves allah azza wa jalla is allah is giving them such happiness because the fact that they chose to remember allah because they fact they chose to come to allah allah azza wa jalla says no problem i will make you know how you have a you have this anesthesia that happens right and you can't feel pain anymore on a portion of your body Similarly Allah Azza wa Jalla gives you can imagine an anesthetic to a person where he will be able to live through the most difficult parts of life without a heart ache it will simply be rida bil qada i am pleased with what Allah has decided for me that's it i'm happy if Allah wants me to be in this situation then you cannot find a happier person than me because you know why i want Allah to be happy And if Allah wants this for me, that's it. How, how do you achieve that? It's like an anesthetic. Allah Azza wa Jalla just cuts it out. The pain is gone. A pain. A person is bleeding all from all directions, but it doesn't make him depressed. It doesn't make him angry. He enjoys crying in front of Allah. Brother, didn't you give up? Aren't you giving up? You've been making du'a for the past three months, one year. I see you in the corner making du'a. He says no man subhanallah i'm just wishing that this problem of mine doesn't go away because i enjoy crying like this every day to allah azza wa jalla allahu akbar that's the reality there are thousands of people like this they have tasted the sweetness of begging in front of allah allah gave them that enjoyment and now they could care less about what problems they're going through because they have found allah and once a person founds, finds allah azza wa jalla then everything else is insignificant so this is khabir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is absolutely well aware of how to revive not only the dead earth but our dead hearts. So as we listen to this ayah and reflect on the weather outside as well, maybe some storms coming in tomorrow I hear, think about your own heart. Go outside and say ya Allah, the way this water is going to make this dead earth green, please allow the not the water of zamzam or whatever this water is that is coming now. It's not zamzam, no problem, but it's coming from you. This is rahma. That is why many ulama you'd see in many parts of the world and even non-ulama when the water when it would start raining they would go out of the house for some time and they'd say this is rahma because Allah uses the word rahma for rain in many places in the Quran Huwa alladhi yursilu ar-riyaha bushran bayna yaday rahmati He is the one who sends beautiful winds before his rahma what rahma is referring to here rain before the rain comes you have a nice cool breeze coming in so they would say let us go and get the rahma of Allah that is ana inda dhanni abdi bi allah will treat you based on what you think of him if you think this is a rahma coming from allah then inshallah it will definitely have some special effects to it lahu ma fi samawati wa ma fi al ard wa inna allah lahu al ghani al hamid to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth and indeed it is allah alone who is self sufficient all praised my beloved brothers and sisters every single thing that we you see and you don't see in the heavens and the earth belongs to Allah milkan wa tasarrufan wa masiran 
It belongs to Allah, full ownership. What does it mean ownership? Khuluq khalqan, He created it. Maybe you can own something, but you don't create it. Even the car company that built it, didn't create the raw materials. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, khalqan, He created everything that we see and we don't see. Milkan, He owns it. Tasarrufan, He plays around with it as He wishes. Wamasiran, and then everything goes right back to him. For example, you, you, the car is created by one company using hundreds and thousands of raw material parts, parts from different companies. And then now they give it to you. You didn't create it, you didn't even assemble it. That you are driving around with it. But you have to use it in the manner that the car has been made. You cannot make, you cannot play, you cannot, if it's meant to go to 120, you cannot drive it to 160. It's not gonna work. Right? You can only run the car to the degree and to the way it's manufactured. And then after that, a time will come. Will it, will, you, it, it will be too old. You'll sell it and eventually it'll go to the junkyard. And so what happened? That's out of your hands as well. So the time that of ownership is so short. And that ownership also is so limited. While Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, vertical integration from beginning to end, from the time of creation till it ends, till the time it, it, it becomes dust, where does it all go to? Today I passed by a truck that had maybe 20 cars on it, but they were all sandwiched pieces of junk. It was just a unique scene, right? I don't know where they're just transporting them. So it was, and I said, this is the dunya. Each one of these cars was on a lot once upon a time with a 60,000, 80,000, 90,000, 40,000 dollar sticker price. And now it looks like a sandwich. Smashed. Maybe six feet, five feet, that's it. Going to the, going to the recycling plant. This is the haqiqah of dunya. Every amazing thing, this is the ending of it. As the poet says, Ala ya sahib al-qasr al that oh, the one who lives in a, in a beautiful mansion, or big mansion, remember, that Keep on giving birth for the, for the sake of death. For every new child must die. And keep on building for the sake of it to fall apart. Meaning every single building that goes up must be demolished. Whether in a hundred years or a thousand years, it all has to go down. Even the pyramids one day will go down. Nothing is to be remaining here forever. From the earth we have come. From the earth we shall go down, in the earth we shall all go down, and from the earth once again we will all rise up when Allah wishes and wills for us. So to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs every single thing in the heavens and the earth. And now He's allowing us to use it. That's all it is. He's allowing you to use it. It's, it's, it is His. Why is it called Ghani? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is self-sufficient. He didn't create anything for His own need. He created it to serve you and I. It's not that he needed it. He doesn't need the oceans. He doesn't need the beautiful scenes of the scenery of the, of the mountains. He doesn't need the millions of types of fish. This is just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created for us to enjoy and to benefit from. Al-Hamid, worthy of all praise. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us, He wants us to use it for our benefit. What's our benefit? Our benefit is to have a beautiful, never-ending life in paradise. That's our benefit.
So use every single blessing, whether it's wealth, whether it's health, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whatever blessings you have, use those blessings to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is in your and my best interest. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the extent when He asks us to give money in His path, He doesn't just say, I gave you the money, just give it back to me. He should, He could, I mean, He could have said that. Instead, He speaks to us in such a nice manner. Is there anyone here willing, me to, willing to give me a loan? Look at those words. If a father were to say to his son, can you give me a loan? How does that feel? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking His servant, that servant knows every single thing, including my breath is in the hands of Allah. If Allah wants to stop it right now, I'm done. How long, how quick does a heart attack happen? How quick does a stroke happen? And how quick does a car accident happen? Within less than seconds. Less than a second. Allah can do any of that. Yet He's so kind and nice, He's asking, are you willing to give me a loan? Now what happens with a loan? What is the normal method of loan? Not an investment, loan. You give, you give, you, I borrow $100 from you, tomorrow I'll give it back to you. That's a loan. Allah says, no, I'm going to take a loan, I'm not going to give it back to you like that. And then I am going to invest it and multiply it multiple times. Not once, twice, thrice. Multiple times. And then I'm going to give it back to you the day you need it the most. On the day of judgment. It is Allah who expands your sustenance. He constricts it and expands it. And to him all of you will be returning. Meaning, he is very capable that when you give in Allah's name, that you don't actually see a reduction, but rather see an increase. And on the other hand, when a person is stingy, when a person is stingy, then in that case what will happen? Allah Azul doesn't mean He's going to give you more. He could actually take away less, take, take everything away from you. Our Ustad, who I was visiting in this, in, the, in this break, SubhanAllah told me a story. Actually, I'll share the whole story, SubhanAllah. Usman Abidullah was with him in, in Istanbul. And one of his old students, old students from the 90s, who studied in his village, in, uh, maybe, I don't know, 50, 60 kilometers away from Faisalabad, met him in Turkey after decades. So it was nice seeing student meeting the teacher after so many years and catching up on things. And he himself, this student was from Tajikistan. So after, after the third, fourth day, he said, Hazrat, you know, there was, those, there was in the village, there were those very uh, stingy people next to you. Uh, how are they? So I said, well, what do you mean stingy people? Like, this is how you remember them? So then my ustad said, yes, yes, yeah, unfortunately, that's how they were. Yeah, they said, I said, what do you mean? He said, these kids were allowed in the village. The, everyone had given permission in the, uh, the villagers. That our farms are open for the madrasa students. Any student wants to come eat from the farm, whatever's growing, whether it's a mango or whatever else, free for all for the madrasa kids. It was a normal thing, it was in the village. Well, how much kids, how many, ki- how many mangoes are you going to eat, for example? But he said, this family said, nope, no one. He said, if they saw any kids, they would chase them out. So no one's allowed to ever come. And then, when it comes to uh, any, any expense, they just simply, simply, even though they had tons and tons of land, but they were the most cheapest clothes. They dressed in a very, very shabby manner, every member of the household, because they just didn't want it to be. They just, like modern day Scrooge, you know, Pakistani Scrooge, <laughs> like whatever. Right? It was just crazy listening to the description. And um, he said to the extent that they didn't get married. 
I said, why did they get married? He said, because if you get married, what happens? The, in, the land will go on to someone else. And you'll have to give, seriously, you'll have to give dowry. You'll have to give mahar. And then you have to buy a house, build a house for the wife. And then you, oh God forbid you have kids. And then you have to also take care of them too. And there'll be less money in the family. This is the type of stinginess. I said, what happened? He said, subhanAllah, every single person dead. He said, and they were miserable, miserable death. Miserable death. Of course, this type of stinginess, what is it going to leave? It will lead to. And one last person in the 70s is left over from them, I think so. And that's it. But he said, that those habits haven't changed. And you remember, you're, then I'm reminded of the verse of Surah Al-Fatih. Whoever is saved, whoever is saved from the uh, greed of his self, he is indeed the successful person. Because greed destroys you. Greed destroys you. Even though you have everything. But if you have greed, you still have nothing. Because that's just the evilness of greed. It's like this match that comes in and burns the whole house down. May Allah protect you and I and our children and our spouses from this horrible disease. And may He make us amongst the successful ones. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanAllah, He is telling us that I'm not going to just take the money from you. I'm going to actually invest it and give it back to you. And remember, I'm the one who has the power to increase and decrease. Just because you don't give in Allah's path doesn't mean you're going to have more. More, you know, they say sometimes more is less. Right? What does that mean sometimes more is less? Sometimes you have a lot of money, but left and right, you are bleeding because you got all sorts of horrible things happening. Accident, then huge procedure, hospital stay for many months. Before you lost everything. And there are many stories that come to me like this. A person says, SubhanAllah, I didn't give in Allah's name because I thought, man, I need all this money. And things happen within two months, everything had saved up. Hundreds of thousands incidents happened and I lost it all. It's the power of Allah. Allah as well is telling, showing us that if, you, if, if a person does not invest with Allah, we always love to invest with other people. How about we learn how to invest with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make you and I generous when it comes to investing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for our own benefit. Alam tara anna Allah lakum ma fil ardi wal fulk. Do you not see that it is Allah who alone who has subjugated for all of you? No. Subjugated for all of you that is in the earth and the ships that run through the sea by His command. Moreover, it is He alone who upholds the sky so that it does not drop upon the earth except by His Penishin and by his permission, in Allah bin Nasir al Rahim, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all merciful, all kind. In this ayah, connection with the previous ayah is connected. That although Allah owns everything, but He didn't create it for Himself for His benefit, instead He created for your service. As is one is mentioned. That, O oh, son of Adam, I have created the dunya. dunya I have created the dunya for you. It's as though Allah is saying, I have created the dunya for you and I have created you for me. As long as you fulfill, your, as long as you fulfill my obligations upon you, I will continue to provide for you. It's as though this Allah is saying this. That if I have done so much, I've created the heavens and the earth, do you think it's too difficult for me to bring two pieces of bread to you every day. That's what it comes down to, right? What does it all come down to, brothers and sisters? What does the entire educational system, entire job system for all of us, it comes down to having something to eat, having a roof above our, us. 
we have to make tough decisions. Following up from our conversation on Saturday morning, when it comes to the educational system right now, schools are about to start in a few weeks' time. You have options of the best high schools and colleges, or so-called best. But when you look at the syllabus that is being taught, and the type of uh, agenda that is not even hidden anymore, that is very, very, very clear, you have to ask yourselves, yes, my son may not have the best track team, may not have the best Olympic swimming pool available while he's in high school. But is it worth it to have all of that and lose any shred of, of decency, haya, modesty? To lose your bearings about what's right and what's wrong? This is, this is a question you have to ask yourselves. What does it come down to? You're worried about risk? Allah will provide you. You're seriously telling me if you choose to homeschool your children the way millions of Americans, Muslim and non-Muslim, more non-Muslims than Muslims obviously, have done so for the past hundreds of years. If you choose to homeschool them, if you choose to put them in an Islamic school, yes, they may not have all the billions of tax dollars available, but for the sake of preserving their faith and their modesty, you're telling me Allah is going to make them die hungry? As opposed to someone who does else, you know, uh, otherwise? Where's our yaqeen? Like this is, this is exactly how it connects to this ayah right here. Allah has subjugated everything to our service. He's asking us to please take care of our iman, take care of our faith, take care of our haya. Moms and dads need to make the right decisions. It's so sad that the children suffer due to the ill decisions of their moms and dads. How many children are suffering today? Are, are becoming the charcoal of the hellfire. Becoming the fuel of the hellfire because their mom and dads thought that if they, be, if they went to the masjid, then they will become too religious, will not be able to fit in American society, will not be able to earn a living. This is, this is, I, these are things happening every day. If you go to the masjid, you'll become a mullah. If you, wear, if, you wear, if you grow out your beard, you're going to become marginalized. If you, wear, if you wear a kufi or you wear a hijab, you're going to get judged and you're going to lose your job. If you ask permission to go for Jum'ah, you're going to get fired. This, this whole fear, 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 fear that our, some of our parents have instilled within their children. That if you follow the deen, you're going to suffer. And if you don't follow the deen, boy, you're going to enjoy life. This type of horrific mindset has, is passed down from one generation to the other, resulting in children, unfortunately, leaving the deen. Becoming completely brainwashed. My brothers and sisters, this is an amana. Your children, you, know, you want to go, Allah forbid, I'm being honest, like here, you want to go to hellfire, you go yourself. Why throw your little innocent kids in there? It really comes down to that. If you have no care about your own akhirah, why make your innocent kids suffer? When we put our children in un-Islamic environments, where, where un-Islamic ideas are being bombarded, all of this group of brothers and sisters here listening to me, young people, you know exactly, you're, not, you're completely in touch with what's happening. As young as now junior high, junior high and elementary school, subhanAllah, school districts are removing genders from bathrooms. This is from this semester. Just right now, someone told me. 11-year-old is mentioning to her dad after my talk that, oh yeah, my school is going to remove gender from the bathroom from this semester. If that doesn't rile you up, I don't know, what, like, what, are you dead or what? Like, what, what's going to make you wake up to say, this is enough is enough? This is crazy. We as a community have to. And if the community doesn't wake up, okay, forget it. I'm responsible for my wife and my kids. 
I have to take care of my own kids, number one. I can't blame the community for my problems on the day of judgment. We don't blame our house goes on, mort- our house goes on foreclosure. Do you come and blame the community for that? You, 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 win, you fell behind on your bills and they cut the electricity on a hot summer day? You're going to blame the community for that? No, you're going to take responsibility for your own house. So similarly, when it comes to the spiritual well-being of our children, dads and moms, listen up. It's our responsibility. Stop thinking that it's the 90s. I survived okay out of state in college. My kids will be okay as well. Like, are you really, subhanAllah, not thinking right? For what? Simply because a, there's a, it's on a, out of a rating of 10, that university has 9.9, while this one's got 9.8. So this is why I'm going to send my college-age boys and girls out to live on their own, to fend for themselves. Because we value a good education. SubhanAllah. What is a college education doing right now for, for, the, for this generation? Look at the jobs. Look at the economy. Look at so many things. What's going on? But even if everything was perfect, if someone said, close your eyes and you go to this university at the end of the world and you'll walk away with a seven-figure job. Still, as a believer, you have to say, what about the iman of my kids? Don't entice me with seven figures. Don't entice me with fame and name. I want to know about the iman and the, and the haya and the modesty of my kids. The akhlaq of my kids. What's that going to happen? What's going on with that? This is the weakness, in my opinion, of my own yaqeen. That I think that if I follow the deen and if I take precautionary measures to safeguard the deen of ihtiyat, that I'm going to take precautionary measures to safeguard the children's iman, then they will die hungry. They will lose out on the world. They will not be able to have a full fulfillment of their dreams. My beloved brothers and sisters, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. Have yaqeen in Allah. Focus. Renew your connection with Allah. If as a mom and dad, maybe many who you were born overseas, or born at least in the 70s and the 80s, if this is our level of weak yaqeen, what do you expect of the kids who are of this generation? What weakness, of course, can you expect from them? You know? Because they're looking at their moms and dads, and they keep on telling them that, no, if you follow the deen, you suffer. You don't follow the deen, you thrive. That's the message we give. That's the message we give. Summer, summer is here. Why are our summer programs across the community? Why doesn't every single masjid have a deen intensive, an Arabic intensive, and a Quran intensive? And why isn't every single masjid packed with kids throughout the summer? Anyone, very few masjids got programs. And when they do, 15 students, 10 students, 6 students. Where's the rest of the community? Doing an internship. Doing swimming classes, piano classes, saxophone classes. Allahu Alam, every other class under the, under the sun except for studying the deen. It just go, goes back to that. Because why we have to have build up a resume. Ya Khwan, what are you talking about? Have you lost your wits? What about man rabbuk ma rajul? Who's going to answer those three questions in the grave? You're building your resume for graduate school. Building your resume for college. Not just getting a 4.0 GPA the rest of the year. No, no. Every single summer break, winter break. You have no time for the deen. Just for extra, extra, extra classes. Or just random things just to build up the resume. Some random things. Rowing lessons and boating lessons and God knows what. Just to show that mashallah I'm very, you know, gora. Yeah. And so, build up my resume. And by on the time the brother doesn't know Ayatul Kursi. We, we see it here. People don't, they're 20 years old, do not know Ayatul Kursi. 20 year olds do not know the Fard of Ghusl. 20 year olds do not know At-Tahiyyat. Who's, who, whose fault is that? Is it, is it the fault of these children? 
or is it the fault of their parents and the society that hasn't highlighted these issues? Now things are, are just continuously getting more difficult and more challenging. I implore every mom and dad as the year is going to begin, academic year, that please look into your heart. Ask yourself these tough questions. Ask Allah. Do istikhara. Beg Allah for guidance. And do not make a decision for the education of your kids whereby they end up losing their faith. Whereby they end up losing their haya. We are, and also, let me add to that. Just by sending our children to Islamic school and just by homeschooling our children does not mean all of a sudden our children will become sahaba. Absolutely not. That you will have to make a lot of effort, individual effort on top of that. Even they may be hafal, they may be Islamic school going students. Doesn't make a difference. A lot of effort has to be done at an individual level. That is why the call is made that every home has to become a madrasa. Every home has to become a masjid. Every home has to become a khanqa, a zawiya, a place of spiritual well-being. And as dads, we have to, believe it or not, take on the role as, of what? A murabbi. Is that shocking? That shouldn't be shocking. As a father, we have to take on the role as a sheikh. As a father, we have to take on the role as a murabbi. As a father, we have to take on the role as the imam. Yes. وَجْعَلَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ what? Imama. Oh Allah, make me an imam of muttaqeen. All fathers and mothers say this dua, do we not? What does it mean? Make me an imam of the muttaqeen. Make every member of my household a muttaqi and make me the leader of those muttaqeen. You and I have to be leaders. And in order to become leaders, you have to have the qualities of leadership, which from amongst many things requires us to be knowledgeable. And, when we, and have our head screwed on right. Have our priorities right. When we have our knowledge and we have our priorities right and suhbah of the pious, then we will be able to teach our children the right things. Now you got double whammy. The, the, the schools are messed up, public schools. Education, unfortunately, in many even Islamic schools are, is not up to par. And then there's no tarbiyah and ta'alim at home because mom and dad know, know, and know nothing about the deen. What is this poor kid gonna do? What do you expect? But a 20-year-old not knowing the farad of usr. They're getting married, do not know how to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. This is normal every day, what we see. And I'm worried about what will happen to now these marrying people's children. Third generation. What's going to happen? If we do not immediately put a stop to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of my risk and your risk. Have this faith. How are these ships running? From millions, thousands of years till now. Don't think just because you have a powerful you know, steamboat steam or you have a powerful, uh, what you call, uh, machine that is running these ships that they are not susceptible to drowning. Everything is happening. You're seeing that in front of your eyes. And Allah Azul is holding up the heavens so it doesn't drop upon us. This is what's written on top at the dome right there at the very top. If you ever had a chance to look up, that's an ayah from Surah Fatir is written. Allah is holding up the heavens and the earth from falling. And if Allah were to let them fall, who could have ever put the heavens and earth back to place besides Allah? Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forbearing, ghafura is forgiving. What is the connection of these names of Allah? That if Allah was not forbearing and treated you the way you ought to be treated, He would have allowed the sky to fall upon you. It allow the earth to be, swallow all of you up. Even though we're sinning so much, He lets us go. Why does He let us go? Because He's forbearing. Ghafura, He's forgiving. 
Inna Allah bin Nasi Raufur Rahim. Similarly over here, Rauf and Rahim. Now sometimes we try. What we want? You want to know the difference between Rauf and Rahim? Rauf is that mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that removes pain. Rafatu tuzilul alam. Right, it moves and warahmatu tazidul inam. And blessing, rahma is that mercy which increases you in Allah's blessings. So ra'uf, ra'uf rahim. Ra'uf means Allah Azza wa Jal is the only one who can remove your sources of pain from you. And rahim, he is the one who can increase you in his blessings. Which one comes first? You want to be safe from pain first. Then you want to get on the yeah, if a person has got a very painful toothache and he's presented with some amazing food, he'll say, no, listen, I, I can't have this food right now. Give me a painkiller. Let me get rid of this pain, then I can enjoy the food. That's why they say, To push away harm is more important than, uh, than in, uh, benefiting from things. Gain, gaining benefit. So here as well, Rauf has been mentioned first. That Allah Azza is the only one who actually can remove pain and then number two, increase you in His blessings. He is the only one, O humankind, who has given you life. And then he shall cause you to die. Then again he shall give you life on the day of judgment. Indeed the human being is most surely an unbelieving ingrate. Subhanallah. The human being is so ungrateful. That's what shaitan is. Shaitan was ungrateful and he said, I'm going to make everyone else ungrateful as well. Ihya. To give you life. There's two types of ihya. One ihya is, is that life, ruh within you, that allows you to move, eat, drink, sleep, talk, you know, live this life, to move through this life. Allah blows the soul into us while we're in the mother's womb and we get hayat. So just like life is a miracle, we say, oh, a new baby is born, subhanAllah, this is a miracle. Similarly, every death is also a miracle. The most powerful of people. Most powerful of people. Go pass by the graveyard. Just down the street from us, we have gravestones from the graves from 1800s. They were leaders. They were mayors. They were, they were professionals. They were wealthy people. Visiting the grave reminds you that one day, all the prefixes and suffixes will be of no benefit. We will go alone into the grave the way we came, out, we came alone. We'll have nothing. So death is also a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Both of them are. And then third thing is a sign of Allah is life after death. Now notice here, ahya has come twice. First ahya and second ahya. You, you can take it as the meaning is Allah will give us one life here through the soul being blown into us. And on the day of judgment, Allah Azza wa will blow the soul back. That's there. But ulama have given another meaning. That ihya has another type of meaning. Quran uses another meaning. And that is Indeed, the life of the hereafter is the hayawan, is not animal. <laughs> right? is the, it is the true life. Hayawan here is a uh, meaning of the absolute true life. It's a hyperbolic form. It's the absolute true life. If only people know. Meaning, this life in this dunya, there is no dawam, there is no consistency. You wake up in the morning, fine, afternoon you got a cold. You go to sleep fine, you wake up in the morning with a sore throat. You wake up fine, Allah forbid, there's so many people. They wake up fine, in a few hours, they broke their leg. A few hours, they injured their eye. A few hours, they, they cut their finger. This is dunya. Constantly things happen to you. 
this is what this is the weakness of this life and this world is that there's no consistency there's no such thing as always enjoying life no matter where you are you saw you just read there people uh, beachgoers and vacationers and honeymoon people people celebrating the honeymoon went to these greek islands you've been reading the news all over now massive apocalyptic type of uh, wildfires have now forced like evacuation of the entire island You'll see clips of it. People went on their honeymoon. People saved up thousands of pounds and went for vacation. And they're literally, these are not, they're saying, it's like, it feels like it's, it's a day of judgment. The fire, the way it's coming, destroying the hotels. And they're literally running. The old man, there was an interview of an old man in, oh, what did he say? Like about 108, 110 degree temperature, sweating. He said, I ran, I ran like seven miles yesterday. Just imagine running away from the fire. Allahu Akbar. This is happening today, right now. All these people who had thousands of dollars and pounds to go for vacations. Allahu Akbar. This is, this is what's going on. Yani, one second everything changed. This is, the, this is the haqiqah of this dunya. How many people go on a honeymoon and they come back coming wanting to have a divorce? How many people spend thousands of dollars on a vacation? Many people actually. People think that going on a vacation will solve our marital problems. No. It doesn't solve marital problems. You actually have to get to the actual root cause of the marital problem. Why spend $10,000 on a useless vacation without solving the crisis? Figure out what the problem is. Go to a counseling. Iron things out and then you actually enjoy the vacation. Otherwise, you are having an argument instead of eating dal roti at home without having any expense. You're eating you know, $200 meal in a, uh, uh, on a beach somewhere, having to pay $500 a night at the hotel and arguing. It's the same thing. You're arguing for free at home and now you're arguing after $10,000. Just a side point that many people think that vacation will solve the problem. It doesn't. You need to get to the root cause of why there's differences and, and sort that out and then spend, of course, quality time separately. And of course, that's, then it's beneficial. Allah Azza wa Jal, may He bring the spouses back, you know, all close together. May Allah remove misunderstandings from the spouses and put mahabba in love. So I was talking in the next life. Yuhiikum, what is this other life? This is the life of the akhirah. What is that? That's a life that never ends. It's always, always enjoyment. Every single second. You can never overeat. You're always eating, but never overeating. Because as soon as you eat, it digests. What happens? You don't have to even waste the time going to the bathroom. No, you just burp. Oh, burp, that smells. Iftar burp, you know how that works. Suhoor, iftar, and you know, walima burp, etc. So, no, this is, as mentioned, hadith. A person burps, it's musk. The smell of musk coming from the mouth. He ate a massive meal, burp, zero, done. Next, 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 next. Because you're not eating for the sake of hunger. You're eating purely for the sake of enjoyment. That's the real life where you never have a bad day. You never have a sad day. You never have a grumpy day. You never have a rainy day. Always, every single day, it's pure happiness. That's a life. And that life, there's a ruh for that. There's a soul. What's that soul? That's the Quran. That Quran, when it comes into a person, then he will get that life which will allow him to enjoy the life of hereafter. And if we're deprived of that soul, the life of the Quran, my beloved brothers and sisters, then no matter how enjoyable it may seem, this world here, for sure, it will turn to destruction. And for sure, in the akhirah, there's nothing but difficulty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, uh, Oh believers, say labbaik, say I'm ready. Lillahi wa rasul. To Allah and to the Prophet sallallahu Whenever they invite you, yuhyikum to give you life. What life is this? You're already alive. All of us are alive. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, whenever Allah and His Rasul ask you to do something, say I'm ready. Any fard act, any sunnah act, say I'm ready. 
to give you life. How could you give me life again? I'm already alive. Well, obviously, this is not referring to the life of this world. This is referring to the everlasting, ever enjoyable life of the hereafter. That obedience to Allah and obedience to the Prophet ﷺ will give you a life of the second nature. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Shura, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ الرُّوحًا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا Indeed, we reveal the ruh from our end. Awhayna, we reveal the ruh. What is this referring to? The book of Allah, the Quran. So this ties up with our discussion today that if we want to live, on, we want to live the eternal life, focus on the Quran coming into, my, into us. Think about the rain as also Quran revealing on the hearts. As the rain changes the, the earth, dead earth, and brings life to it, similarly, when the Quran's injunctions come into my life, when I start, my life becomes the Qur'an not only as long as I'm in the masjid, when I'm at work, when I'm at school, when I'm at vacation, when I'm at home, always when my life, my spouse's life, my children's life is around the Qur'an, then inshallah we will have a very green life, a very enjoyable, lush life. And not only that, more importantly, we'll, have a, we'll be able to enjoy the everlasting life, inshallah, of the akhirah. We'll inshallah uh, take some questions now. We have a couple of minutes, eight minutes or so. Um, so here's the Slido today, 272-7514, at slido.com if you've got any questions. Um, we'll try to take a few, inshallah. Today we have our uh, normal chai as well. And then we also, jazakallah khaira, we have from student burgers, some sliders that have been brought in from the, new, uh, from the brothers who, mashallah, just purchased a store. So please make dua for Barakah and all these businesses that support the masjid and all of you uh, and their uh, generosity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, put barakah and uh, additionally our tanweer our three week Arabic immersion tamheed just began uh, yesterday uh, for brothers and sisters so inshallah if you wanted to uh, come uh, audit the class or take a look at it please um, come by inshallah tomorrow the, that program just began and the one year program for both sisters and brothers begins uh, August 14th as well as our high school program. Alhamdulillah, we're taking in girls, uh, sister, females, students at the age, um, as, as early as eighth grade now, and boys as early as ninth grade. So we have the integrated Tadris high school program, Darussalam, in which you study the high school in the beautiful environment of this madrasa uh, with the rest of the ulama, mashallah, is teaching them. And then you do your half day also the Islamic studies. So if you are not aware of uh, these programs, come by tomorrow, inshallah, and visit with your sons and daughters and learn about the uh, programs that are taking place here, especially for the schooling before the schools uh, start. It's something to, that hopefully we can benefit from. If not this year, then at least for next year, uh, we can plan. You know what, I think the code was the incorrect code today. We haven't gotten a chance to do dhikr last week, so let's just use this time today to do dhikr. Inshallah, we'll continue with questions next week. 
اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموتى المسلمين وانصر المستضعفين من المسلمين في كل مكان اللهم ارنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وارنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه اللهم انا نسالك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا اللهم اصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمه امرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا اخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياه زياده لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحه لنا من كل شر سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين امين